We'll be reading Psalm 104, which is on page 606 of the Bibles. Praise the Lord, my soul. Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty. The Lord wraps himself in light as with a garment. He stretches out the heaven like a tent and lays the beams of his upper chambers on their waters. He makes the clouds his chariot and rides on the wings of the wind. He makes winds his messengers, flames of fire his servants. He sets the earth on its foundations. It can never be moved. You covered it with the watery depths as with a garment. The waters stood above the mountains, but at your rebuke, the waters fled. At the sound of your thunder, they took to flight. They flowed over the mountains. They went down into the valleys to the place you assigned for them. You set a boundary they cannot cross. Never again will they cover the earth. He makes springs pour water into the ravines. It flows between the mountains. They give water to all the beasts of the field. The wild donkeys quench their thirsts. The birds of the sky nest by the waters. They sing among the branches. He waters the mountains from his upper chambers. The land is satisfied by the fruit of his work. He makes grass grow for the cattle and plants for people to cultivate, bringing forth food from the earth, wine that gladdens human hearts, oil to make their faces shine, and bread that satisfies, that sustains their hearts. The trees of the Lord are well watered, the cedars of Lebanon that he planted. There the birds make their nests. The stork has its home in the junipers. The high mountains belong to the wild goats. The crags are a refuge for the hyrax. He made the moon to mark the seasons and the sun knows when to go down. You bring darkness, it becomes night and all the beasts of the forest prowl. The lions roar for their prey and seek their food from God. The sun rises and they steal away. They return and lie down in their dens. Then people go out to their work, to their labor until the evening. How many are your works, Lord? In wisdom you made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. There is the sea, vast and spacious, teeming with creatures beyond number, living things both large and small. There the ships go to and fro, and Leviathan, which you formed to frolic there. All creatures look to you to give them their food at the proper time. When you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are satisfied with good things. When you hide your face, they are terrified. When you take away their breath, they die and return to the dust. When you send your spirit, they are created and you renew the face of the ground. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works. He who looks at the earth and it trembles, who touches the mountains and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. 
May my meditation be pleasing to him as I rejoice in the Lord. But may sinners vanish from the earth and the wicked be no more. Praise the Lord, my soul. Praise the Lord. So good evening, everyone. It's great to be here this evening. Um, and just to be in God's presence and think about his world that he's created. And we're going to be thinking a little bit about that tonight um, as we cover this subject about rubbish. It's not very often that you get a, a chance to speak about a load of rubbish. So I'm really going to grasp this tonight. And hopefully it won't be too much rubbish. <laughs> but what I wanted to do was take this opportunity to think about a key subject, um, which for many of us um, is quite thought-provoking and challenging. If you're a visitor, you might be a bit bemused at this point, wondering what this is all about. But over the summer, we've been following a series called Culture Watch. We've been thinking about ideas, um, concerns, and maybe images that surround us in our current culture. And we're reflecting on them, thinking about them, maybe learning from some of these things, critiquing them, and then listening to what scripture has to say about them, what God might say about some of the cultural issues that surround us as we go out and about in our lives. So I had a lot to choose from, but I decided that tonight I was going to talk about rubbish. It's not particularly a glamorous thing, I guess, is it? Or very erudite, maybe, to talk about this subject. But nevertheless, it's something that impacts on all of us because each one of us is a generator of rubbish. And it has implications for our nation. And as we go further into this evening, we're going to talk about some of the impacts that it has for our world as well. Because the decisions and actions that we take about the stuff that we throw away has a huge impact on our environment um, and social well-being, not just for us, but across the whole world. And it's also an element of a wider subject that a lot of people are concerned about at this point in time around the environment. And I know that's the case because it's something that people talk a lot about in my work context. Uh, it's something that's quite a concern. And it comes up quite regularly from time to time around our dinner table with uh, my daughters. The younger generation are really concerned about this issue. I guess for me, there's also something personal in here as well. As I listen to what's going on around some of the discussions, the things that I'm seeing in the media, I'm trying to work out for myself what I do about this particular cultural issue as I wrestle with it and think it through. I'm not claiming to be an expert about this tonight, and in fact I know that there's people here in our congregation that know a lot more about this than I do. But I want to share with you some of the thinking that I'm having around this, some of the challenges that I have. And I want us to think about how we might respond as Christians, because I don't think we can just walk away from this and say that it isn't important. 
So I wonder if you recognise any of these um, pictures that have come from the media. You might, might recognise some of them. Um, I try to just pick out a few things that are currently around at the moment. Um, the top one at the, at the top there, that's um, Greta Thunberg, if you know who she is. She's a, a young activist that's been really motivating and speaking to um, school children. Um, and that middle section there was the school strikes that happened earlier this year. And I know that there's students that went from Chichester up to London for that, because my daughter knows some of them, and there was a lot of discussion around at home uh, when that was going on for us. And then this week, um, she's just made a trip, I think. I think she's in the middle of it at the moment, isn't she? She's travelling across um, to the States for a climate uh, action summit, and she's gone on a zero-carbon yacht. So I suspect we're going to hear a bit more about that over the next week. And then there's, um, there's groups that are a lot more vocal. So this was going on at Easter time. This is the... Um, Extinction Rebellion activist group that held uh, London to ransom a bit over the Easter holiday. Uh, and they're still active. Um, I believe they're going to be doing some things around London Fashion Week um, in a couple of weeks' time, uh, which, again, has been quite an interesting thing that we've been debating in our family. And then that final one at the bottom, you might recognise this. When I was preparing for tonight, uh, the, the title about uh, what rubbish generated a few interesting discussions with folks. And someone just reminded me about the fire that we had locally at our own tip at West Hamnet, um, just reminding us that this is quite a personal thing that, that over the last month has actually affected us here um, in Chichester and uh, maybe made us think a bit about our rubbish and what we're doing with our rubbish. So as we're starting to talk about this this evening, there might be a few things that are starting to drop into your head around uh, issues of the environment and uh, things that you're concerned about, images that you have. And I just wanted to share three, three with you, and it might just give you a, an idea of some of the things I'm wrestling with at the moment. So about a couple of months ago, as I started to think about this subject, I noticed this campaign. Any of you that follow the work of Tear Funds might have seen this. This is their current campa uh, campaign that they're um, doing at the moment called Rubbish Campaign. Did you know that one in four people globally don't have any waste collection? And uh, very often for these communities, it means that they're surrounded by large piles of rubbish, which often they burn. A lot of it has plastic in it and it causes a lot of damage to their health and well-being, and it's a real concern. So tier funds at the moment are running this campaign. They're particularly targeting multinational companies and asking them to think about the way that they use um, single-use plastic packaging to poorer countries. This is an issue for us, but for some of, some of um, our brothers and sisters in other parts of the world, this is a really big issue, what happens with rubbish. And it made me think about how often do I just throw plastic bags and wrapping into the waste bin without even thinking about it. I found this quite a challenging campaign. I was looking at some of the information. And then um, a couple of weeks ago, as I was going a bit further into this subject, I was listening on the radio coming home, and I discovered to my horror that um, every time I do um, a wash, I put the washing machine on, I'm releasing thousands of microplastics into the water system. That really shocked me. Why has no one ever told me about this before? 
I just didn't know about it. It made me realise just how ignorant I was about this. And I know, again, that this week there's been some reports, some scientific reports, around the presence of microplastics up in Arctic snow, which I thought was quite interesting and challenging as well. And then two weeks ago, um, we were away on holiday. Uh, we had a great time, and we had an opportunity to do a sea trip um, and have a look at the local wildlife. And while we were doing that, at one point the boat stopped um, and the crew were fishing around trying to find something in the water. We were all looking to see what it was, what sort of animal might it be. The boat got very excited. And then we realised that there was a huge tarpauling section of plastic floating in the water. And the crew were trying to fish it out. Um, a couple of them were scientists, marine scientists, and they just couldn't quite get to it to pull it out. And um, I think the biggest impact for me was just their, their concern, their distress for not being able to get this plastic out of the water. Um, they were telling us that this was going to have a huge impact on the local wildlife, and they couldn't reach it, and it was really distressing for them, and that made quite a big impact on me, again, as I watched them trying to do that. So I hope I'm sort of sharing with you some of the... Um, unsettledness that I often feel when I listen to this in our media, and I'm sure I'm not the only one that feels like this. I realise that this um, issue is complicated. Um, it's not simple or easy to sort out. There's lots of factors. It's multifactored. There's also lots of different views and opinions, and even within a congregation here, there'll be different views and opinions around this issue. And it's a really complex area for our culture as well, isn't it? Because it involves politics, it involves resources, it involves vested interest, and it involves power struggles. But does that mean as believers that we should just avoid this area because it's too difficult, this cultural challenge? Or is there a challenge for us to try and engage with some of these questions uh, that are presented to us? How, as a person of faith, should I respond to this issue? Is this for us, the church, or is it just a secular issue that's kind of sorted and dealt with out there? As Christians, have we got something to say and to contribute to this debate? Over the um, Easter period this year, my family um, decided that we're going to do a Lent challenge. A lot of people do this, don't they? You might do. Uh, might have been involved in a Lent challenge this, work, this year. And um, we, we decided that we were going to do something that was being promoted by the Baptist Union. They've got a group there called the Joint Public Issues Team, um, which um, produces some helpful resources and, um, around this area. Um, there's lots of different things you could choose to uh, look at environmental issues. So we decided that we were going to give up buying meat uh, during Lent. So that's a really good challenge for us because we're all meat eaters. Well, most of my, my older daughter's kind of not eating much meat at the moment, but we all quite enjoy our meat. Um, and it, and it, again, it generated some really interesting debates about um, international food sustainability. You might be interested that we talked about that as a family, which was quite good. And we also tried some fantastic vegetarian meals as well, which we really enjoyed. But one of the things that really fascinated me was when I was sharing this experience with colleagues at work, 
because quite a few of them also do Lent challenges. They give up chocolate um, and alcohol and things like that. So I was able to share that I was getting involved um, in this challenge, and um, they were absolutely fascinated. And one of the things that was um, slightly um, shocking for me was they were really surprised that I might be interested in this issue um, as a Christian, that there was something around this that was motivated by my faith. They hadn't even occurred uh, it hadn't even occurred to them that as a Christian, I might want to join in with some of these conversations about the environment. And a consequence of that was it led to some really good, deep conversations about the character of God and our place as humans within the world he has created. Because you won't be surprised to know that God has a lot to say about this subject. The Bible is full of teaching around this particular area of creation care. And we've just kind of touched on it. Um, we started to unfold some of this in our worship this evening. And we have that beautiful psalm um, that was read earlier by Alistair that just gives um, an idea of the depth, the importance of this, this subject within the Bible. So tonight what I'm going to do is um, I'm going to share some foundational theological ideas and truths about the created world. It's going to just be scratching the surface because the Bible's full of these rich and full stories, but I hope it's going to give you some framework, something that you can take away and sift through and use to filter as you think about some of these cultural challenges that we're facing. So you might want to grab your Bibles because I'm going to be particularly referring to Genesis 1 tonight. Um, so you might want to have a Bible and just have it open as we, we talk through this next section. As I was preparing for this and thinking about uh, Genesis 1, um, I was particularly um, grateful for this book that I brought this evening. You might, you might like to have a little look at it as well. It's written by Alistair McGrath, who's quite a well-known theologian on creation. And um, he picks up on this subject the basis of our beliefs around creation. And he also used works of art and poetry to explore that a little bit further as well. So some of you might find that quite interesting. So as we look at Genesis 1, we're reminded, aren't we, that God is creator of the world. That in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I was quite fascinated to hear a couple of weeks ago um, when they were um, celebrating um, the landing on the moon um, that the Apollo 8 astronauts on Christmas Eve 1968, as they um, went around the moon, they read from Genesis 1. That must have been a really powerful moment. And we listened into that as a world on the radio, these very verses. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And as we go through this chapter, we're reminded that it started with the cosmos. And we've been thinking about that this evening, haven't we? The heavens, the stars. And then God created the earth structure, the land and the sea. Each living plant and creature he created and that includes us as humans and then this chapter finishes at the end 
it reminds us that God saw all that he had made and it was very good. Verse 31. And then God rested. These chapters right at the beginning of the Bible are really helpful when we start to think about this subject of the environment. They give us some key foundational principles for faith about who God is and who we are and also the relationship that we have with the world that he's created. And right from the beginning of the Bible, it's made really clear, these foundational principles. And the first one is, and I guess it's quite sort of um, a simple thing to pick up, but maybe very profound for us, that the created world belongs to God and not to humans. The created world belongs to God and not to humans. Genesis 1 here makes it really clear that God created the universe, not us. And as humans, we can only hope to adapt to it. The world isn't ours to exploit or to trash or to neglect. The world belongs to God. And then Genesis 1 also helps us to discover something about the creator and his character, who God is. As we look at the world around us, we discover God's wisdom, his artistry, his creativity. It's all reflected in the world around us. We see the glory of the creator in the beauty of creation. And I know many people, me included, encounter God in fresh ways as I appreciate and enjoy the world that he made. Just think about that amazing feeling that you have when you see a beautiful view, what that feels like. Maybe for some of you, a complex mathematical equation might bring you to this point of worship of God. One of the things that jumped out for me was the amazing experience of seeing the face of a newborn child. What a wonderful experience of God's creation. All these moments should turn us to worship the creator of the, all these things around us. It should be our motivator. It should be the reason why we respond to creation in appreciation and wonder and in worship. And again, we saw that, didn't we, in the clip that Calvin plays and also in that beautiful psalm that we read. Just one person trying to express this worship for the beauty of creation. But Genesis 1 also gives us another key truth about this subject. It reminds us that the created world is also subordinate to God. You see, the world's fate, it's not left open to some kind of random combination of physical forces. And it's not nature that is divine, but God who created it. So we shouldn't make nature our God, and we shouldn't be frightened by it. God's not going to abandon his creation, and he continues to care for it, to sustain it. And we see that supremely in Jesus. He de demonstrated this, this control and authority over nature in his ministry. You might think of Jesus turning water into wine, for instance, or calming the storm. 
healing people, multiplying loaves and fishes, and then ultimately taking control over death itself in his resurrection. Jesus tells us in Matthew, Matthew 6, that we shouldn't be anxious because just as God looks after the birds of the air and the lilies of the field, he's going to care for the needs of his people. God literally has the world in his hands. That's a great, great picture for us to hold on to, isn't it, when we think about this whole issue of the environment. But then this chapter in Genesis, it also teaches us something about ourselves and who we are. Because we are part of creation. We are created beings too. We're not somehow separate from creation, looking in on it. We're bound together with the rest of creation. We're interrelated with it as human beings. And if we, f- we forget that um, at our peril, I think, as humans, if we believe that we are separate somehow from the world that God's created. But then this um, verse, the verses in Genesis, verse 26, also remind us that as humans, we're also unique because God made us in his image. And that carries a responsibility rather than a privilege to tend and to care for God's creation. And it's a work that involves some effort and it's something that's been entrusted to us. God's world to us is a precious gift. And as you read through some of the theology books about this, words such as steward is used, or you might have heard of creation care to try and express what this role is around us caring for the universe. But it's just one more thing I just wanted to pick up theologically about this whole area of looking after God's world and being part of it. And this is the final one. It's around the idea, this foundational principle that God created the world to have a future. And we see that as we go right to the end of the Bible in Revelations, Revelation 21. It tells us at the end of time, the existing order that we're in at the moment is going to be renewed and refashioned. And God's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. There's going to be continuity between the first and the last things. And again, as you trace this foundational idea, you can see it throughout the Bible. The prophets talked about it, about being saved or redeemed at the end times. And we believe that Jesus, in his death and resurrection, has started this whole um, important work of redeeming the whole of creation. Paul talks about this um, in Romans 8. He talks about how... um, we're going to be free, or the earth, creation itself, is going to be free from the bondage to decay. It's going to achieve glorious freedom for what it's created. God's got a redemptive plan. It's not just for us as humans, it's for the whole of creation. So what does it mean as we think through some of these foundational ideas of God being creator of the world? that we can encounter God through it, that we're not separate from creation, but that we've got a responsibility to care for it, that the world has a future. How do we act on this? What do we do with all this information? Well, we could just do nothing, couldn't we, I guess? We could continue just to consume the resources around us without much thought 
for the long-term consequences. But I don't think the Bible really gives us that option. Or maybe we step into this challenge that God has given us to be a steward and to look after the world that he has created. But how we do this is a real challenge, isn't it? And what I'm going to do is I'm, I'm going to invite Esther to come and join me now on the stage um, to come and talk about some of her own experiences of trying to put some of this thinking into practice. That's great. Thanks, Kim. So we've been thinking about God's creation tonight and um, what we might be able to do. So I wanted to invite Esther to come and talk to us because Esther and Harry um, are doing something really exciting and trying to do something around this whole area of caring for the environment. And I wondered if you could share a little bit about your business and what you're up to at the moment. Um, So we have a shop in Draper's Yard in Chichester that you can take your own containers to to refill dry foods and cleaning products um, so you can buy it without the plastic. And what, what was it that, st- what, why did you start on this journey? What was the journey behind doing this? Uh, we travelled to New Zealand last year for seven and a half months and they have shops like ours there everywhere. Yeah. Um, so when you're travelling, it's good to buy what you need instead of lots of different packets of food. Um, and then we realised that it was less plastic as well, so it yeah. was less plastic and less waste. Yeah. Um, so we decided to set one up here. Yeah, that sounds really <laughs> exciting. So this is a really good practical example of trying to put some of these, this thinking um, into action, isn't it, in a really practical way that we can also benefit from it as well. Yeah. Is there anything that around this that your faith has influenced that has brought you um, to this point as well? Because that would be quite interesting to know. Yeah, so like you were saying earlier about we, we believe that God wants us to look after the planet that he's made. Yeah. And so that's really helpful to understand this kind of practical way that you're trying to do that in a business context as well. So that's yeah. fantastic. Can you, could you give us some things that we might be able to pray for yourself and Harry as you, as you develop this idea forward, your business? Yeah, so we opened last mid-October. Yeah. Um, and then about two months ago, because we were so busy, we upgraded to a double-sized unit. Um, it just seems that it keeps getting busier which is great so maybe prayer for us to know what God wants us to do with it like the right doors to go yeah 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 that's great and we'll try and do that at the end when we finished off but thank you very much that's brilliant thanks for sharing that thank you So you might want to go along and check that out if you haven't done that already, Um, see what it's all about. But thank you very much. But that's just one example of um, one couple trying to do something around this whole issue. And I find that really challenging as I think through some of the things that I'm going to try and do or have been doing as well. And I thought just before I finish off, I'm just going to share with you a framework that you might find helpful as you begin to process this. Because the intention tonight is not to tell you what to do but to think through some of these issues and consider what it might mean for you because we're all in very different situations and in different contexts um, and God will speak to us in different ways about this subject. Um, So I'm not going to tell you what to do, but I'm going to try and give you a framework that might be helpful as you sift through and think about this particular cultural challenge. So my first thought is just around listening. 
And for me, this is something about just being present or enjoying creation. You know, God has given us creation uh, for our enjoyment and um, to be part of it. And I think in our really busy world, in our consumer culture, it's really easy, isn't it, just to rush around doing loads of stuff for ourselves, being very self-focused, very human-focused, and we just miss the beauty of the world around us. And I know quite a few of you here um, try and put this principle into practice, and there's lots of different ways you can do this, whether it's out sailing or going bird-watching. For me, it's gardening. Um, I find that really helpful. Each one of us will find different ways of um, enjoying the world that God has created. And I think this should be a starting point for us, what motivates us to respond to this issue as we look at the world as part of our worship, um, actually responding from that starting point. The next thing to think about is just being people who find things out, that are finding people. I think we need to be people that are informed. We need to listen. We need to cue in to stuff that's coming into the media and coming on our screens. We need to listen to people who are experts in their field and switch on to these issues. And then be critical, having a discerning mind, filtering through and thinking about what that might be. Um, and what things we need to particularly hone in on and listen to. I've just popped up a few organisations. These are Christian organisations that can help you if you particularly want to weigh up some of these things. I've already mentioned tier funds, particularly got a concern for what it might mean um, around uh, people living in the developing world, the impact of some of these things. There's an organisation called A Russia UK that I know many of you know about. Uh, where their whole focus is thinking about this from a, a Christian context. And then there's a resource within the Baptist Union, I've mentioned already, the Joint Public Issues Team, that also um, provides resources around this issue. And some of the other denominations have some really helpful sites, so the Anglican Church particularly has got some really useful online resources to think about these things. So we need to be people who are informed, who find out um, if we're going to sift through and, and consider some of these issues. And then I think we also need to be thinking people. We've already talked about some key theological principles that God has given us in Scripture. But we need to know them and we need to be familiar with them. And it's good to talk about them in our families, in our small groups, and in our church family. Um, over the last few months, as a deacon's team, uh, we've spent time thinking through some of these issues and what that might mean for us um, locally here. Um, but I think it's a, it's a good area for us to consider and reflect on. And we also need to think wisely about these things. This isn't about putting creation care as something separate or something that's more important, but it should be an integral part of our mission as we reach out and share the good news um, of Jesus with those around us. It should be part of us trying to work out God's kingdom in practice, bringing shalom and peace into the communities that we serve. So not separate, but part of what we're doing for our mission and reaching out to others. And then we need to be praying people. And like a lot of this, this whole series, it's a challenge to bring some of these things in prayer as we sift through, as we think about what this might mean for us personally. It might mean that some of us have to come before God to ask forgiveness for not taking the care of his creation seriously enough. 
but praying about creation care should be right in there as part of our prayer life. And then finally, the bit at the bottom is the doing bit. After prayerful consideration, finding out information, thinking it through, how we're actually going to act and change things in our own life. And there's lots of different resources. I've already mentioned ways that we can do this, pledges that we can try, ways of actually changing our lifestyles and our behaviours. Sometimes with these things, it's good to talk about it with others, isn't it, and be accountable and share what you're doing. And um, I'd also encourage you to engage in these conversations out in your frontline places when you're at work, um, not to be, be frightened to talk about this subject of the environment and our responses as Christians. So I hope this evening's given you some space to consider um, this area of rubbish um, and in, environmental issues and maybe giving you some biblical resources to weigh up some of these things. And then finally, a, a practical framework that you can use to help you to respond. So let's pray together. Father God, we just want to thank you for your beautiful world that you've created. For the way you faithfully sustain and are committed to your world. Please forgive us when we take your world for granted, when we exploit it and misuse it. And as we listen and process some of these challenges, help us to prayerfully and wisely be practical to work through the challenge of caring for your world that you've entrusted to us. And we just pray for Harry and Esther as they develop their business, as they seek to serve you and honour you in this way. We lift them up to you as they consider growth and expansion and we pray for guidance and wisdom for them. In Jesus' name, amen.